Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jack Farmer, his name is Andy Rossi, and this is the Evolution of Movies show. Andy, how have you been? It's been a year since I've seen you based on the way this podcast works. Yeah, you look, you're going back in time. You look younger than the last time I saw you. Don't you say that you're all clean shaven, looking like a little baby here today? Yeah. Um, but we have a sh- we have a movie today to talk about, Andy, and oh, it was a good one. It was one that was very well talked about, one that everyone was a, a buzz about back when it came out. But before we get into it, as always, Andy, we got a guest. Oh, nice. And this guest is a not a a, a threat, not a double threat threat not a triple threat but a quadruple threat she is a boxer model actress and marketer ladies and gentlemen give a big round of applause to nikki rue nikki how are you i'm doing great how are you doing jack you know, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty, pretty good. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> to chat about this movie with you. Uh, and uh, by the way, anyone who doesn't know, uh, you were re- we met. I always like to chat about how we met. We met because you were throwing fists around in a boxing it. ring at Influencer wow. Fight League 2. Also saw you at Influencer Fight League 3. One of these days, I'm trying to pry a little information about Influencer Fight League 4, but I won't press too much on the air there. Uh, but uh, how have you been since you uh, were knocking people out? Let me knock them out, but you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's not knock her out. I just made her nose sore for a few days. <laughs> um, nice. But- to be fair, I was pretty impressed with myself. 59 pounds is like a big weight difference. It is a big weight difference, but oh, you held your own. No, but I, I've been great. Um, I've been keeping up with Influencer Fight League still. I'm hoping to get back into the ring. Mm. Hoping we'll see. Put that undefeated streak undefeated. on the line. Granted, I've only fought once. It's okay. Um, but... <laughs> Listen, no one has been able to put you put you away. I mean, Floyd Mayweather, step aside. This is the undefeated (laughs) streak we're talking about in boxing right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just put me in the ring. I'm ready. Honestly, let's switch it up. MMA. I'll bring McGregor in. I'll just make them all about him. (laughs) Whoever wants it. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Hopefully, uh, Andy and I don't get punched in the face throughout the course of this. uh, But this Just is a show where it's fine. Yeah, we, that's why we that's why we're behind the screens. This is the Evolution of Movies show. And for anyone who's new, we what we do is we watch a movie and then we chat about it book club style. But we call it the Evolution of Movies because we always pick a movie that came out one year after the last movie we watched. So we started in 1980, went to 1981, 1982. Now we're all the way up to 2006. Let me take you back to a time when movie theaters had hits like The Prestige, The Departed, and of course, She's the Man. But we aren't (laughs) talking about any of those. We're talking about The Pursuit of Happiness, a movie IMDb describes as a struggling salesman takes custody of his son as he's poised to begin a life-changing professional career. (laughs) Nikki, has you seen this movie before and what were your thoughts going into it this time around? So I've definitely seen this movie a couple of times, but not in a very long time up until recently. Uh, I remember loving it a lot as a kid. Like there's, but <laughs> I, it's interesting how my perspective on it has changed. Cause when it first came out, like I was born in 96. So I was a little one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I remember identifying really hard with his son in the movie, specifically when he loses his little doll. 
Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I. Uh, yeah, that's I, I have that in my notes. We will definitely be revisiting that moment. Yeah. Um, but now watching it, I I was hit a lot more with the adult struggle and like finding a good partner and everything that I'm sure we'll talk about. But yeah. I was definitely excited to see specifically how my perspective has changed going from child to kind of an adult. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The, the stakes seemed a lot higher this time around watching it, uh, where before I was like, Oh man, that's a tough day. Where now I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> like it must be hard to not have a place to sleep. And now I'm like, Oh God, he's losing his apartment. He has to keep the house. I don't understand. Cause now, yeah. Now I'm thinking about like, Oh my gosh, what do you do? Where yeah. Then, then I was like, Oh man, why doesn't he just call his mom for money? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but one of the things we like to do before we get started is we always like to do a little game where uh, I'm going to have Andy Rossi here. Andy, you're going to try to guess the Rotten Tomato score for Pursuit of Happiness. And then, Nikki, you have to guess whether or not the actual score is higher or lower than what Andy guesses. So, Andy. Yeah. The Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, Go tough one. She's the man. I was just going to say, I don't think I remember She's the Man. Is that, does she play soccer in that one? Oh, Pretend she's yes, a boy she does, or something? And it's such a good movie. Is yeah. it Amanda Bynes? Yes. Yes. Oh, I guess I, I do remember that. <laughs> don't act like you weren't a big yeah, fan. Yeah. Why didn't we do that movie? Um, <laughs> all right. So, Prime Amanda Bynes movie probably did pretty well. So, this, let's see, to compare it to that. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness did very well. Will Smith, I believe, was nominated for an Oscar for this. So I think the movie scored well. I'm going to go high here, Nikki. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 80. 80. 80 is actually kind of low compared to our higher up ones. Uh, of course, it was against movies, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I think Jurassic Park were in the 90s. Scorpion King in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> it was much better than the Scorpion King. <laughs> it was yeah. marginally better than the Scorpion King. <laughs> I could have used The Rock in it, though. Yeah, the, the Rock in this movie would have been a very different movie, <laughs> by the way. Uh, but, Nikki, do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is higher or lower than Definitely Amy? higher. Definitely it's gotta higher. gotta be higher. Wow. Well, yeah. the Rotten Tomatoes score for Pursuit of Happiness 2006 is 67 percent 67 and that blew my mind in fact i'm so worried that i must have i must have that wrong because it's it's so low <laughs> was there another <laughs> movie called pursuit of happiness that year i know i'm, I'm wondering if this is going to be like uh not another teen movie i actually looked up the pursuit of happiness version of that nope hold it up again 67 percent pursuit of happiness oh that's right. I what, did the, what did the audience give it shocked that it was that i just closed the screen <laughs> come on jack leave it up it is uh i got i bet the audience 80. had it the audience has it at 87 percent. but okay. critics clearly critics. not ones to listen to Jerks. uh 67 blew me away it was so low hmm. uh because the acting was just incredible here i feel like the acting alone carried it through i'm gonna be honest when i watch this movie again I don't know if I want the smoke. Uh, I was kind of bored, kind of bored watching it through again. Really? I was, I, you know, the acting was great. I, I get it. The story was amazing. I was touched, but I'll be honest. If I, I'd be lying, if I told you, I didn't get to the 40 minute mark and go, how much mo- time is left in this movie? An <laughs> hour. 20. Bar, like, <laughs> an hour yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I agree. The performances were all incredible. But Nikki, one of the things you need to know about me is once we get past like the hour and a half mark, you're on borrowed time. And if you get to two hours, you better make every second count in a movie for old Jack. Everything better. better. Thor better be in it at some point. Yeah. I better see Chris Hemsworth with a shirt on. (laughs) See, I'm coming from a theater background. So my attention span for shows is like, Three hours minimum. <laughs> oh, so you're like, this movie just started. <laughs> uh, something that shocked me about this, Andy, and I think you'll appreciate this. Um, I remember when this movie came out, and I remember thinking, man, Will Smith is so old in this movie. Oh, no. How old is oh. he? He was 37. Oh, no. <laughs> it's not even so that young. Old. So young. Was, I was like, what? I thought he was, when I was younger, I. I would have projected him when this movie came out. I was like, oh, man, he looks like he's 55. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have guessed late 40s or something. But no, he's he's very young in this movie. Mm. Uh, well, I don't know how old the character is, but Will Smith himself was 37. Mm. Uh, so uh, so let's get into this movie, shall we? Uh, yeah. let's, let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Uh, actually, Andy, I, I forgot to ask. What were your thoughts on this movie going through it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I remembered it being like great acting performances. So I was, I was very interested to going back to check it out to see for one, how well it aged too, because Will Smith has, has done a a lot of great movies after this as well. So, um, this was, I think this was, was this his second Academy nomination? Cause I I think Ali got, I try to remember was Ali before this. I believe so. Yeah. I'm not positive though. Um, but I think so. Yeah, so I think this was like right around the time he was really killing it. So this felt like I remember this being kind of one of his like coming out as like a serious actor and not just the uh, Fresh Prince. Yeah, it was like nine pounds. I think was around this time too, maybe a year or two after this. So yeah, he was on a stretch of like very serious movies, and then he was like, you know what? I'm just doing Hancock and <laughs> yeah. uh, iRobot and make some making some big bucks. With yeah, some special effects. Yeah. Well, some uh, things you do for the art, some you do for the money. <laughs> Hancock was for the art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's get into this movie. Before we do, I always like to take a second to say thank you to everyone who is listening or watching, whether it be YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Uh, please do us a favor, hit the like button, comment, share, subscribe, five-star review. Let us know how you feel about these. Uh, share with your friends. Hit us up on social media, whatever you want to do to let us know. We do it. For the accolades and our ego, if you don't, <laughs> if you don't give us that, what are, what are we doing this for? Yeah. Let's get into the movie. We start in 1981. We see the people of San Francisco go about their lives as Chris takes his kid to the preschool and tempers his birthday gift expectations before complaining about a bad word on the wall, as well as a misspelled word before explaining that this is his story. He starts with the part titled Riding on the Bus and explains that he sells portable bone density scanners and it isn't going well. In fact, it's going really bad and his wife is working doubles, tax bills are coming, and his car has a boot on it from unpaid tickets. Obviously, this makes things tense at home. On his way to work the next day, Chris sees a stockbroker driving a sports car and he decides he needs to find a way to become one himself. Linda isn't happy about him wasting time thinking of this when he should be out selling scanners. (laughs) Nikki, tell us about the characters that live in this world and the world that they inhabit. Oh, well, not to start off on a super serious note, uh, but I do think it is a huge testament to how this cycle 
of poverty and this cycle of mis like uh, poor education, this cycle of not being able to get out starts because you have these parents who are in this rough situation, which we find out like bad business move, right? Mm -hmm. Happens. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. you have these parents in a bad situation and what really hits me is the misspelling of happiness and is the curse word on the wall, right? Because that, mm -hmm. How old is his son in this movie? Like five? Like five, yeah. 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 Little, little Very little, yeah. Uh, little Jaden. He's so he's adorable, but that's beside the point. Jaden Christopher <laughs> Sire Smith, as he's billed uh, in the movie. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> but he to have that influence at such a young age, especially when we have so much importance on reading, on writing, and all of like the science and support we have for why words are so important. I think that's what really hit me in that, where I was just like, you're setting up this kid on a foundational level to not be as successful. And to your point, it's so, the I, I was thinking through this uh, as we think about the financial issues, like suffocating, because there's like nothing, like it feels like bills are coming from every direction. And, uh, and Andy, to kind of set the tone, something I loved is just that little bit while he's uh, sitting on the couch and they have Reagan talking about the financial situation at the time, kind of setting the tone that like, it's not just, it's not just that he's like a loser that can't find money, but setting the tone that this is just a crushing economic time for everybody mm -hmm. uh, that's going through it. And um, I guess, tell me about the uh, Andy, uh, just to, kind of about setting the scene like that. You know, and I, I want to ask both of you this. So it said 1981, did you get a very like eighties feel? Like I felt like the, it could have used like a more of like an eighties soundtrack and maybe bad yeah. haircuts you know Maybe 80s clothing yeah some shoulder no, pads i did i didn't really get the 80s in this it almost felt like they were like meh it's fine That's... we'll get reagan in there that'll that'll do it but i kind of <laughs> felt like i was watching a 2006 movie like it didn't really feel very 80s yeah. to me that's actually very true i was going to say even uh, one of my notes um for people who really remember the intro of the movie, it actually felt like a '90s movie intro where it had like the piano playing montage of the different scenes. It felt like something you would see at the beginning of a like a '90s movie. Um, the way it really picked up. Uh, but Nikki, I want to talk about Linda a little bit here in this opening scene. Um, something that didn't occur to me when I was younger watching this, but definitely hit now is it's very easy to villainize Linda in this movie. She doesn't come off as someone who's very likable. But I was trying to think now as an adult. Yeah, I guess if I was working doubles while my partner was not pulling in any money and they were having all these kind of harebrained schemes and stuff like that, I could imagine getting like, we got to pay bills. We got to do stuff, fix, like fix this. Uh, do you think Linda was a little um, thrown under the bus a little bit in this story? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the reason I take such a big breath is because like talking about villainizing, I caught myself doing that even as an adult watching it. I was just like, Linda, why are you like, this is why it's important to have a good partner. This is why it's important mm -hmm. to have someone who's on your team. Why aren't you supporting his dreams? And then I'm, and then it kind of hit me probably right as she like, uh, I guess spoiler, but right as she right. left, um, I'm not a mom. <laughs> right. Like, you already have the stress of being a mom and a wife and the primary breadwinner. Like, and having not only that, but we see her get pulled out of work. We see her, like, she's bringing in the money, but then her job has to take backseat to his. And it is this very 
especially, especially in the eighties when gender roles were so much stronger. Mm -hmm. I, I can see why that would make anyone break. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think she handled it the best way. <laughs> no, she definitely handled like a jerk in the end. But I, I <laughs> yeah. guess uh, as She's I was watching, peace. Yes. <laughs> like, you know what? I'm tapping out. I quit. Uh, like, I'm gonna go to New York. What's <laughs> what's having a child? You have fun. <laughs> But uh, but up to this, I was like, you know, what? I kind of get it. I'd be a little frustrated too. Like I've been working oh, absolutely. for six, well, however long she said. And uh, but that leads me to the villainization, the villainization of Linda Andy. I, I want want to talk about one more thing here. Uh, you are a filmmaker. Uh, it says this was inspired by a true story. Mm -hmm. uh, how close does this have <laughs> to be to real life if it's inspired by? Does uh does I mean, also, who wrote this? I mean, if this was Chris Gardner writing it, I mean, do we feel – I mean, if I wrote a story of my life and someone left me, trust me, they're not going to look good in my story. That's a good point. And I, I, <laughs> I looked it up a little bit afterwards to see who this guy was. And I did notice that his, his kid was actually not five years old during this time. He was uh, like a baby. He was just like one years old or something. Oh, no. And I don't – yeah, and I don't think there was a Linda. I think uh, maybe that was fabricated a bit, so – Oh. I'm, not I'm not I'm not sure exactly uh, how she fits in in the real version. Well, we uh, we move on um, <laughs> and we move on to uh, the being stupid part of the story uh, <laughs> where he leaves his scanner with a hippie while he interviews for the new job and she steals it. This leads to the running part of the story. Chris finds the hippie with his scanner and chases her down, and he explains that he spent his life savings on these machines before realizing no one wanted them, telling us, the viewer, that maybe he doesn't have the best track record when it comes to business ideas, which makes the whole only 20 people were hired into the program, and of them, only one of them get the job thing seem a bit heavier uh, so he turns in his resume personally to Mr. Twistle, uh, which sounds like a, uh, a, a, a Christmas, like a Christmas story name. But <laughs> yeah. uh, turns into Mr. Twistle, who was too busy to care. That doesn't stop Chris, though, as he pretends to need a ride so he can share a cab with Twistle. And while trying to sell him on his qualities, he really gets the job done with the Rubik's Cube. He ends up stiffing the cab driver and losing the machine and Linda, and he wonders about the pursuit part of pursuit of happiness. He gets a call and they're going to interview him for the internship. So this is a rough and wild part of the story, Andy, lots of highs, lots of lows. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about these scanners. Good. Because I want to talk about them. <laughs> so one, these sound like a horrible idea. Why would a hospital need a portable bone? Like who needs a, who needs to be like better bring my bone scanner and two, at what point do you just cut your losses and get a job? I'm I'm so in, in the same thought as you. For one, I, I mean, I don't know much about the 80s medical field, <laughs> but couldn't the hospital just buy one? Like, why do they have to? Why is he buying them separately and being a salesman and bone scanners? I don't know. I, that confused me. Yeah. They seem heavy. He had to carry them all over the place. So it seems like that's not good to just have your house all the time. And why did he leave it with the hippie girl? Like, if this is like his life savings, I would just bring it up with me. If anything, it's a, it's a talking piece. Oh, what is that? Oh, this is a bone scanner thing. You know, right. why, did, why didn't he bring it with him? Is there a reason? Why to sell it to the guy, Dean Witter? 
Yeah, maybe Dean Wittard needs maybe one. Who need knows? This. Trust me, you need this. You need this bone density scanner in your <laughs> yeah. household. I mean, like I said, who's like, yeah, who needs a, a portable one? Like, hey, honey, before we go to the baseball game, make sure to grab the bone scanner. <laughs> yeah. And we never really got like a backstory about why he bought all these. It was just like a picture of like all these. Life was great when we bought all these bone scanners, but they didn't like he didn't specify, did he? Why he went all in on the bone scanner? I mean, like I said, I'll give him credit. OK, he had an idea. It didn't work. We all yeah. have bad ideas sometimes. But at what point are you like, dude, no one's buying these things. It's time yeah. to just like, I can't eat. I didn't sell one. Get a job. I guess it's a hard time. I don't know. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, you made a bad investment. Move on. Uh, Nikki. You definitely what? <laughs> committed, which was interesting. I think what's interesting is your entire point about like, he could have brought it up and had it be a talking point. He could have brought it up and have it just be like, oh, this is this other thing I do. And I seem smart because it's medicine. Yeah. Like he could have done all that, but I think he viewed it as his failure. So having it, he felt like anyone who saw it was going to see that he was just failing. I like that perspective. That is a, cause that is true. We do kind of carry the weight of our failures with things that we think we did bad on, even though no one else sees or cares. Exactly. And it's, which I think is fascinating. I mean, I think the entire movie is like a fascinating testament to the human tenacity and human psychology. As far as leaving it with a hippie person, that was just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't like, even, she didn't even respond like to hippie. him. It's that she like, she's on the street being like, give me money. Yeah. As y'all saying. And he goes, here's this thing that it's not worth anything, but just stay here and watch it. And here's a and dollar. Like, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I am, I'm from the South. I'm from Florida, so South. But <laughs> <laughs> my, like, blind trust in people is ridiculous. It's something I had to work on when I moved to Los Angeles. I wouldn't even leave <laughs> my very expensive, unsellable bone density scanner with someone who's just singing on the street. No. And if I was going to leave it, I think I would, like, try to treat it like it wasn't valuable anyways and just like put it down near the door or something like oh this is just some stupid thing but when you're like please make sure no one takes this it's like oh this must so be worth something this. <laughs> this, this must i just thought it, i just thought it was odd she never she never communicated with him like i would have moved down to a different person been like okay she's not really responding to me maybe this person and be like oh yeah man i'll watch your bone scanner no problem like instead <laughs> she was just like no, i don't she think she's really like, listening oh, yeah. <laughs> like, that thing's gone. Um, I did want to talk about this is where he talks about um, uh, the pursuit in pursuit of happiness. And I do think that this is I think the, the main message of the story uh, that I think is so cool. And uh, Nikki, I want to get your kind of thoughts on this is the um, he recognizes that you're free to pursue happiness, but happiness is separate than the pursuit of happiness. And this is where he's kind of realizing that happiness isn't part of the, uh, um, isn't written anywhere, but you do get to pursue it. And I think that's just a cool way of, uh, the separation is interesting to see them break that down. Well, I think it kind of goes back to this underlying theme of hard work and perseverance, right? Because that's what pursuit is. You're 
persevering, they're going through the obstacles, the adversity, whatever it may be. Um, so to paint this image of like happiness being just something that we can just have, I think is actually a really big problem in our society as a whole, because I think a lot of people think that we're entitled to just be happy, which mm -hmm. don't get me wrong, I wish happiness on everyone. Yes, <laughs> like, yeah. I am the hippie girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> I do like wish everyone to be happy, but it is something we have to work for. And it is something like whatever that may look like, whether it's finding stability, working through your traumas, childhood hearing, childhood healing, whatever. Mm -hmm. it, all of those things, it's pursuing the betterment and pursuing that happiness. And I think that's just, I mean, obviously it's the name of the movie. Right. <laughs> the way he pursues it through his tenacity is so cool to me. <laughs> Well, it's interesting as we're talking about it now, and as you speak to it, it is interesting that um, I'm I, yeah, I am realizing that this movie it's called The Pursuit of Happiness, so it should seem obvious. But he literally starts the movie by saying, "These people are happy. I want to be happy like them," and it's all the things he's doing to pursue that initial thought of wanting to be happy. This movie literally is the pursuit of happiness. Spelt, I can never remember if I'm supposed to spell it with the Y or the I when I'm writing the movie, by the way. Oh, I hate it so much. <laughs> I always think that people are going to be like, you don't know how to spell. It's like, well, that's the way it's spelled in the movie. <laughs> I didn't know how to spell this. <laughs> so uh, can I talk about one thing real quick? I just yeah, want to get both your thoughts show. on this as well. <laughs> um, the Rubik's Cube. Is it really that impressive? I don't know. I've, I felt well, like. time. I mean. I can't it? do it. I can't either, but would you hire somebody and be impressed by them? Because they could do, I'd be like, oh, wow, you've had a lot of time. Practice this. Cool. You I know what be the like, trick oh. is? The trick is you take the stickers off. <laughs> oh, yeah. That I've done. The trick is you take a Sharpie. You yeah. Just... You take them off. Wrong, the That'd be great if that was like the deleted scene. Will Smith had <laughs> just Sharpies in his pocket. <laughs> so the real lesson is always be prepared. Mm. Yes, um, but <laughs> no, I I think it's I think that's the only thing that really like actually calling back to your earlier thing of it being is it very like eighties? Yeah, I think yeah, that's that was the only it. thing that really took me back, right? Because mm -hmm. I have only lived in a world with Rubik's cubes, <laughs> uh, and I remember growing up like the trick was how well you could learn the algorithm and how quickly you could do it. That was the trick for like my age group. That was what everyone was doing. And it was still impressive, even though we had a lifetime of Rubik's Cubes. So, I mean, I can imagine before people knew, oh, this is just math. And before you could just like be like little googly goobs and figure out what exactly you need to do. Um, googly doobs. Okay. Yeah. Google, <laughs> Google is fine. Yeah. But, you don't call it that, Jack? Yeah. Obviously. Uh, all the cool kids are saying. <laughs> no, do not take cool kid advice from me. <laughs> but um, before being able to do that, I can 100% see why that would be a little like tick. You know what I mean? Why that would be a, why can you do this thing that smart people can't do? Right. I, too bad it doesn't work that way with like Halo today. Like, <laughs> You're really good at Halo. Oh. You must be a stockbroker. Like, uh, your Call of Duty score is just like... Right. Wow. <laughs> what level are you at on Angry Birds? Crazy. <laughs> um, so 
The next day, Chris confronts Linda about their son and demands that he lives with his father as Linda marches off. Chris, now alone, is getting kicked out of his apartment, and he has to paint it at the, <laughs> at the same time. While doing so, he gets arrested for unpaid parking tickets, and he has to spend the night in jail. The next day, he's out, and he runs all the way to Dean Witter, painting hair and all. He walks through the trading floor, he gets to the meeting, and he explains his appearance and that he's smart and somehow pulls it off. But now that he knows there's no pay, he's not sure what he's going to do. Six months, no money, and if he wasn't the best in the group, it's going to be for nothing. And the only way he could make it is if he finds a way to sell all those blasted scanners. <laughs> Linda tells Chris she's going to New York, and Chris explains he's an intern, and she's says it's a step back for him. He accepts the internship and gets out of the apartment and moves to the Mission Inn. He plays basketball with his son, and that's when we get the big moment where he tells his son to not let anyone tell him he can't do something. Um, this is kind of, uh, I, I, this is where a lot of movement happens in this, in this part of the movie. That's why it's called, this part was called Running Still. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, Pursuit of Happiness not a good way to break up the movie. You have like three parts happen in the beginning. I was like, oh, this is going to break the movie up for me. Easy peasy. And then running takes like an hour of the movie. Come on, guys. He does a lot of running. <laughs> I think that, I, <laughs> sorry. I think that's How dare you not make the movie for me? Who's going to review this like 14 years later? 16 years later. <laughs> Jerks. Why didn't they have the foresight? That's really, yeah. that's on them. <laughs> No, but I, I think that's so like, I think it's so interesting, specifically with the running. I, it's just such a testament. Obviously they did it for a reason, but mm -hmm. it's, it's just so exhausting, isn't it? Because we have this like bad thing happens, bad thing happens, bad thing happens. And then it's just, oh, now I get to sprint mm -hmm. and continue sprinting. And yeah. that's just like, it's just so exhausting. I think it really builds up to when like, to the next part, when the running stops. <laughs> <laughs> well, and to your point, it's so like, you, you kind of get that feeling that he's never ready and he's never, he never has everything he needs. And um, we've all had that feeling where we've had to like run into a meeting and we're not really ready. And like, you can imagine him being sweaty and like, not not prepared for everything and and that's kind of his whole life is he's having because he's got so much going on he's got to run from one thing to the next um and and, and i'm sorry i keep i keep just saying like can we talk about but yeah, like uh that's phrase. i feel bad for him the whole film he's got a lot of stuff that goes on but uh he's got time to stop and get some of the paint off his face doesn't he like he I literally just so. like runs right in i'm like just just go in the bathroom for a second get a little off the face but he but i think he i think the the meeting goes goes great being that he's all in the paint and like he does such a great job in that scene but i was kind of thinking i'm like you have a little time like real <laughs> real quick just pop stop. in there <laughs> i do think his line though where they're like what would you say about if a guy came in and i hired a guy with no shirt on he must have great pants I yeah like, dude there's some good one-liners with the, him and especially jaden smith I was just like, dude, that that is like, you got the job, man. I'd give him a job right there for mm -hmm. that line, um, especially a sales job. Like, come on, talk about a rebuttal. Yeah. Look at the charisma. Yeah, you can't you can't beat that. Yeah, uh, I want to, um, Andy. I want to go to you with this. It's the uh, one of the biggest moments in the movie. I think maybe the biggest movie 
where he tells his son, like, hey, I wasn't very good at basketball. You'll probably never be good at basketball. So don't play, spend all your time playing basketball. And then he catches himself and he's like, no, 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 no. Never mind. I was wrong. Don't let anyone, even me, tell you you can't Amazing. do something. Yeah. That if, more, is, if more parents did that, the better, right? You know, there's probably so many parents that tell their kids, like, no, you can't do that. Don't even do it. And he's like, oh, so like he's five years old. Let him play basketball. I think it was so. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that I, I, I completely agree. I think more parents absolutely need to do that. But it's it's so evident how much other people telling us will fail. is just a projection of their own like perceived failures or their yeah. own shortcomings. And, and it was having him catch that like it meant the world to me the first time I saw it when I was a kid. And then I completely forgot about it. And then I saw it again. And it just hit the exact same way. And it it was definitely one of those things that, to your point, it wouldn't have hit as hard if he didn't catch himself. Like, if if they were just playing basketball, he's like, by the way, don't ever let someone tell you you can't do something. But the fact that he was like, he did it. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm doing the thing that everyone does to me. And I Mm -hmm. hate. And so I can't, like, it for as good as I want to be as much as I hate it, it can get me too. I need to not be that person. And that to me, that self-awareness was, I think the the coolest part of this whole scene. And to me, I think I always feel like that image of him leaning against the fence, I think is one of the main images of this movie for a reason, because that was just a, a powerful thing. Made him uh, more likable too. I think if he wouldn't have caught himself, you would have been like the Will Smith's character been like, ah, he's kind of a jerk, but instead you were kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, he he has flaws, but he he can catch himself. So, and, and does he do the joke right after this too? The the, the Jaden the boat, the boat yeah, joke? Was I have that there? as a note and I was going to ask you about it. Do you want to talk about it? I love it. It's such a great joke. He's got great jokes the whole movie. He's so good in this, little Jaden. Uh, L- little yeah. Jaden Christopher Sire. <laughs> uh, yeah, wh- why did yeah. he ditch why did he ditch the Sire part? Um <laughs> So, the, but the joke, I actually, it resonated with me because it was about how a guy was drowning and someone wanted to save him. And he said, no, God's going to save me. It happens again. He dies and God says, you dummy, I sent you two boats. And it resonated to me because I was thinking, there's almost like a message. You wonder if maybe there are things that Christopher Gardner is getting boats that he should be taking instead of doing what he's doing and, and drowning. Um is how I was looking into it. And uh, it was almost wondering if there was almost a subtle, like, should he be taking opportunities instead of trying to focus on this thing? Um, but maybe I'm reading too far. No, into- I think, I think you got a good point. Cause then I think he kind of does do that later. I think, especially with like the 49ers game thing that he does coming up here, kind of just taking advantage of those situations. Mm-hmm. As we, uh, Continue on. Chris does. Chris starts his internship, and he's told that he's going to be making cold calls, and they need to sell a. He needs to sell a bunch to get the job. Uh, he continues to work hard, suck up, and secure money for the company, even when he's getting hit by cars and chasing down scanners and managing time with his son. He does it by not hanging up, not drinking water, and sneaking his way to the top of the list instead of working his way up from the bottom. He gets a meeting with a CEO, but misses it. And to apologize, he goes to the CEO's house and ends up going to a 49ers game. He makes a lot of friends and contacts, but no sales. Andy, there was a part that made me laugh really loud, and I don't know (laughs) if I was supposed to, 
Uh, he gets hit by the car and he's that all part. angry. <laughs> and he goes, uh, and he goes, I'm in a competitive internship at Dean Winter. And it reminded me of Dumb and Dumb, where he's like, I'm a limo driver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, like, like, if you're the guy driving the car, you'd be like, what Who are you cares? talking yeah, about? Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I didn't even catch that. That's great, though. And I don't know why I just I saw that. And for some reason, I was like, I'm just going to start yelling that at people when things happen. Like, I have I get a podcast. I'm in a competitive internship at Dean Winter. <laughs> I just I just thought during that, I mean, what luck, though, that he keeps finding the scanners again. I just thought that was funny. He lost it to the hippie girl, finds it on the bus, lost it to the time machine guy, finds the time machine. I'm just like, these things aren't going far, though, at least. Well, yeah, I was that's they're staying in the area yeah yeah i was thinking the same thing how do you like this is a massive city and you keep running into the same people the other thing that i think was funny about that is why are they holding on to these things i feel like if i stole one i try to pull it apart a little bit and then i'd go i, I guess a pawn shop at that time i don't know what do you like what are the, i wouldn't even know what that was why why am i lugging this thing around everywhere i well, mean this guy was a little off his rocker he was just trying to figure out how the time machine worked yeah, so that he was on his own journey. I well, you got to give him some credit because he had it for like a long time, and well, he still was trying to work with it. So he was he wasn't quitting. But uh, this is where um, I, Nikki, I want to talk about how Chris. This was a we really see his work ethic now that he's like the the wheels hit the road because. Him talking about uh, he's not going to drink water because it's going to make him have to use the bathroom. Uh, he's not going to hang up the phone. He's just going to like stay on and keep dialing. And then he cheated and jumped to the top of the list when he's not supposed to. But it got him a sale. Like this, you kind of, especially in this day and age where we're so distracted by social media and all this other stuff, it was very cool to see a guy go, I am so hyper-focused that I'm not even going to hang up the phone. I'm just going to keep going and going and going. So I have, I actually have so many thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I actually, I used to do uh, telemarketing fundraising mm -hmm. um, for Greenpeace. Just got to slip that in there if anyone wants yeah. to donate to a great organization. Yeah, um, but I used to do that. And even just that, where it's not even proper cold calls, is exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting to just make all these phone calls and have like the same conversation over and over and get rejected yeah. over and over. And it's just, especially for, I can't imagine with that pressure where it's like, if I don't do well, I have nothing. Cause that's basically mm -hmm. what he did. He put all, he just went all in on this internship. Mine was more, if I don't do well, my manager is going to tell me to try harder. Right. <laughs> Which still sucks. Right. right. <laughs> it still sucks. But, <laughs> um, but having that pressure is so immense. But I think it's also really interesting to see how important it is to sit down and go, oh, I got eight minutes a day more. Because mm -hmm. it's not just, oh, you know, I don't want to go to the bathroom. It's no, I get eight minutes a day more because I do this tiny thing. And it's all... It's like a small example of how our tiny little efforts all build and they keep building and they turn into this huge success, which with that success going, kind of jumping to another thought, like I said, I have kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um, when he goes to that game and he doesn't end up making the sale, even though he did all of this like above and beyond stuff and he still failed, 
all of the contacts he made there and how that failure bridged his way into massive success, I think is so, it's such an important lesson because I think we take on all of these failures and we take on all of these roadblocks and we go, hmm, this isn't meant for me or I just suck at life, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it may be. But really it's no, there's another path. I'm just kind of turning you, right? I'm leading you to the right way. It's the universe, it's God, it's yeah. you. But leading you to, this is a failure because it primes you for success. Yes. I always say, uh, your last name, farmer, I always like the analogy, you don't get to eat when you plant the seed. You got to wait until it grows before you get anything. But you're right. There are so many things we think the failure is the end, but the failure is just the step into getting to the success. Because, uh, And Andy, you can uh, speak on this as well, is um, you especially like you just released a movie dead body uh, and you put money into it. You put time into it. You put effort into it and you don't make money along the way. It's all just like, this was a hard day. This was tough. This sucked. Hopefully down the line it works out, but sometimes failures are just a part of the, this, the process. And that's kind of what he got here. Well, in a free Some, football game. Sometimes you invest in bone scanner machines and it doesn't <laughs> quite work out. He's a guy that just goes all in, huh? He's the guy that like goes to Vegas and just takes everything, puts it all on red. <laughs> and it's like, all right, guys, I got all of my money saved for the last two years. No. Hey, do you want to put that in some other bets? Nope. Going all day. <laughs> and this sounds like an SNL skit. Like, <laughs> the as soon as guy. he gets there, put it all in. Like, oh, I lost. <laughs> but Chris, you've been saving for years. Um, but I just got to applaud his uh, 49ers tickets strategy. I feel like as a sports <laughs> fan, I need to start doing that to people. <laughs> oh, hey, you going to the Rams game? Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, you should come to our box. Oh, uh, since I'm already going, yeah, I might as well go yeah. to your box instead. <laughs> I need to start doing that. That was genius. Right. I, I was thinking, I mean, he must have been wildly charismatic. I mean, it's it's Will Smith, so he obviously was. But would you invite a stranger and his son <laughs> to a, a football game with you? Like a, a person who just came to your door? I'd be like, no. No. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. If I don't know. Like, this goes yeah. back to the Southern naivety because I'm just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, he's family. Sure. He's in the same neighborhood. Yeah. He's family. I'm like, cool. See you there, guy. <laughs> well, if it's a box, maybe, because it, it's probably a big box, right? These rich guys probably have like 20, 30 people in there. So if anything, you could just be like, yeah, this guy's kind of weird. I'll just, but he was his ride back home. So yeah, I don't know. He took him. He took a shot. Ch- he took a shot. I mean, charisma charisma that'll get you places yeah uh, chris is uh actually selling all of his machines and things are going pretty well until those tax bills mentioned earlier in the movie start to catch up they take the money from his account but at least he's able to wrestle back another scanner unfortunately it doesn't work anymore and he's kicked out of the motel they can't find a place to stay so they sleep in a subway bathroom in what is quite the all hope is lost moment uh, they eventually find a homeless shelter while they keep running, studying, and trying to get by. Uh, there's a few things I want to touch on here, but uh, Andy, I want, I'll get to you. Something that I've seen about this movie is, um, and this is going to sound like a joke, but I, I mean this, as he's going to these homeless shelters and he's going to, uh, he's running everywhere. 
uh, we all know how we present ourselves in public. And you're in this place with all these rich folks. I was thinking about this. Maybe this is just as, as an adult now. He must stink. And he, got, <laughs> he has to know he stinks. Like, And that's got to be tough on your self-confidence, right? Like, He's, he's got to smell terrible, right? I would think, yeah, and I, I kind of noticed uh, little Jaden. I think he wore the same thing the whole movie, right? Mm -hmm. For the most part, yeah. I, I didn't think about the stink part, but yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I don't know what else to say, but yeah, I, you're take right. a bath like once. I mean, it's it like I'm like I said, it sounds like I'm making fun, but like, could you? It'd be tough to go to a place and be like, hey, invest all your money with my mutual fund. By the way, I smell like I haven't taken a shower in a week, and I've been running everywhere. Like, but I have charisma. And uh, my clothes are look terrible. And uh, but I just thought that was a, a, an interesting thing. But uh, I do want to talk about how um, he this this uh, bathroom scene, Nikki, and the scene mm -hmm. that he um, this is I, I said earlier, the scene in the bath, the basketball scene. But I think this is the gut punch scene for most people where he's in the bathroom with his kid. And this was that scene where I was thinking. I'll let you talk about it. I know for me, I was like, if you took everything from me and I had nowhere to live, how would I get back on my feet? I don't like, I don't know if I'd be able to. And you're watching this guy and he doesn't have that option because he has a kid and just a, I don't know, a gut punch moment for me. Absolutely. I mean, this is one of those scenes that when I was a kid, I was like, ah, spend a night in the subway. <laughs> right. that sounds, it's like a sleepover with rats. He'll be fine. But like, Right. As an adult watching it, especially because I, I, I have my own background with working with kids and mm -hmm. just it's heart wrenching. Like there really isn't a proper word for it. Like I think that obviously it's meant to be that gut punch. It's meant to be that like absolutely broken hearted. But now as an adult watching that and like imagining, I don't know, my nephew, my niece or anyone, any kid that I care about sleeping in the subway bathroom and having to lock the door, having to hold it shut, especially with how dangerous cities are. Cause mm -hmm. it's not like being more cognizant of that. Now they don't really show anything like that in the movie, but being so much more cognizant of that now as an adult where I'm like, how are they not robbed? Like yeah. no one pulled a knife on them. There was no guns. Like it, and who knows what happened in real life, but just the absolute terror that must come with that along with feeling like a failure along with not knowing is my kid going to be okay or how is this going to hurt them as like when they get older mm -hmm. it i i cried <laughs> yeah it's the total rock bottom moment too yeah i i in i remember watching this the first time around and kind of never thought it would get that far you know uh, but then once it gets there you're kind of like oh yeah this is bad like I said, it's it's a movie, so you know he's he's gonna get out of it. But I, I was trying to think of myself if you if I had no one to call, and I was like literally all alone, and I had nothing except for what was like on me at the time, and I I don't like how do you get out of that? Like I I don't know, just especially it, having a kid. Like I feel like if it's myself, I'm like eh, I'll find a park bench, you know, I'll figure it out. If I get stabbed, <laughs> so be it. But like you, you got to protect a little five year old. I mean, but like, okay, like the night, like, how do you get a job? Like, like I said, you're going to smell, your clothes are going to be terrible. Like, I, you could see how hard it is, I guess mm -hmm. what I'm saying, to dig yourself out of that hole once yeah. you're that far down. And uh, as we're talking about it and thinking about the homeless shelter, Andy, to your point, I think one of the reasons this didn't feel super 80s is because so much of the 80s to feel 80s, you would need to have money for. 
like they weren't really listening. They, they weren't able to listen to like new music or buy new clothes or, you know, so like that's maybe why it didn't look 80s is because there was really nothing that they could buy from the 80s that would scream 80s, you know, um, maybe. But I do want to talk about um, and Nikki, you you brought this up earlier, so I want you to talk about it now. Uh, we've already talked about gut punches, but I think one of the things that surprisingly just broke my little heart was when Chris Jr. had his little heart broken Oof. and that little Captain America doll so getting sad. left behind as they drove away. Um, that was the saddest thing in the world to me. So sad. I So I don't know how relevant this is, but I'm going to tell you guys a story. Yeah. Um, not the same at all, but as a child, it feels the same. So, like, I had this little Esmeralda tambourine because I'm a huge, I, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame was my movie. Mm-hmm. Still my favorite Disney movie. Most really? underrated movie. Wow. Franchise. Um, but I had this little, take. Hot take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that can be, we'll talk about that in a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I had this little tambourine and I remember it, like I was in my parents' car and I lost it um, because I was, you know, I was being a kid. I was being stupid. I had it yeah. in the way being like, Ew! and then it just fell on the highway. And I begged my parents to go back for it because it was like my favorite thing. And they wouldn't mm-hmm. because we were on a highway and that would be dumb. Right. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's so interesting how like, universal that is for a child right because Mm -hmm. like i obviously was not in that situation i had a lot of privilege i had my own like not in that realm at all but that's immediately what i got taken back to and just knowing how devastated i was and then putting it on him because like that's your whole world as a kid he doesn't know anything else about what's going on not really he just knows what Mm -hmm. he's experiencing he doesn't know that his dad is struggling he doesn't really understand but he knows that this one thing that is with me everywhere this thing that is like my rock especially after losing his mom is just gone and i was just like (laughs) and i knew he couldn't go back but i was like just go back for the doll just go back I know. I when and and when will smith looks out the window i was like oh he's gonna he's gonna stop the bus right i thought he was yeah Nope. That's it. it, it I was like, oh, I'm, I'm still devastated thinking about it. Uh, something I liked about this part, though, <laughs> something to, to turn it around. Something I loved about this part. Andy, you know, something about me is I like it when something gets mentioned early in the movie mm. and then they bring it back. Yeah. <clears throat> they mentioned parking tickets and they mentioned tax bills. Taxes, yeah. And both those things circled back to rear their ugly head. They weren't just these frivolous bills that the writers put in there to uh, make it look like he was broke. They actually played a part in the story. I felt bad for Chris, but I'll be honest. I was like, yes, it played a part in the movie. <laughs> they got him. They I got knew him. they were going to get we like, oh. One more for the tax man. <laughs> like, so I really identify with the tax, the tax man here. <laughs> get your money. Get that bag. Get it. <laughs> oh, that's fun. I, that, that'd be a great shirt. Like tax man. Get that bag. <laughs> tax man. <laughs> Uh, so we, we we wrap things up by uh, Chris takes the test, but he forgets to do the back of the sheet. And then he has to give his last five bucks to a rich guy for a cab. Uh, and uh, then he loses his spot at a homeless shelter. However, 
he sells some blood and he um, and deals with his son wondering if his mom left him because Ugh. of him, which was terribly sad. Yeah. Chris is able to get the scanner working and he sells it so they get a hotel for the night. It's his last day as an intern because the next day will be his first day of work. They offer him a job and give him his $5 that he's owed for the cab. And this is the part of the story called happiness. Later on, uh, Chris goes on to found, make his own firm and he sells it and is now very, very, very rich. Uh, we, Nikki, we get one last sad moment where Chris Jr. wonders why his mom left. And uh, I would love for you to talk about that, but also just something that we've brushed a little bit on throughout this just the connection between the father and son in this movie and their relationship and and how strong that is but also starting to deal with the fact that the mom left yeah um so heavy because <laughs> i it's i i'm very blessed in having both my parents uh, i haven't really gone through much in terms of losing one of them or anything like that but I've seen how that affects people, especially kids. And it's, I can't imagine taking on that blame as a five-year-old, right? Because we're so egocentric as children because we're still developing. We really only mm -hmm. understand our perception. We really only understand what is happening to us in our world, right? When daddy's not there, he doesn't exist. <laughs> but. Yeah. So to live in that world as a child where everything has to be about you, how do you accept your mom being gone without it being your fault? Because, I mean, that's the only way your reality can make sense is, like, I had to have done something. Mm -hmm. Which is so, like, I know it's fine, but that's, like, my reaction to everything. I, like, it's actually so sad to me. It, it's well it, it's the first part of the movie too where i we see chris jr cry at certain moments and be unhappy uh but it also kind of comes from the fact of just being a kid where i feel like that was the first scene where you're like there is lifelong damage done yeah. to this kid due to what they had to go through this isn't just a oh bummer it's cold outside today or whatever but like yeah. there's there's going to be traumas that he's dealing with forever and uh but his dad is is still there with him uh, Andy, to lighten the mood a little bit, I got to ask you an investment question. Uh, he sold his last scanner. Was it a good investment? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was terrible. It ruined I mean, his life. He, he sold them all, right? Like that's <laughs> yeah, yay. He had to come out with more money in the end, right? I don't know. It, two two hundred fifty dollars. Mm, well, maybe nineteen eighty one. That was okay. I don't know. You know, the babysitter is making 150 a kid a month. I think that was, they should have been watching kids. You know, to go back, I was kind of thinking that when he found out like that she was just showing movies, I'm like, oh, he should just start his own <laughs> nursery. Yeah. Just play just movies all day. Play movies. Yeah. <laughs> then train him how to go sell scanners. <laughs> <laughs> how are you going to say no to an adorable five year old being, excuse me, you need this scanner? Yeah, what if you need to measure my bone density? <laughs> yeah, there you go. He should have had Chris Jr. selling the bone scanners, and been fine. Uh, this was a um, I, I, as we kind of kind of wrap it up. Obviously, it's a it's a happy ending. It's a, a great moral of uh, just pursuing happiness and doing everything you want. I said in the beginning, I'll be honest, it was a little. I was bored at, 
at points. It kind of felt like it took a while to get where it was. He had to chase down like six scanners. And we had like, <laughs> six, like six scanners were stolen and refound and re-figured yeah, they out. Cut, they could have cut some of the bone scanner <laughs> plot I don't line. think we needed to see ev- the story of all 45 bone scanners and how they were sold. Uh, but uh, overall, the, the moral of this, I think, was great. And I think the acting performances... Um, I don't remember this exactly, but it feels like this is the movie that everyone said, okay, Will Smith's legit. He's, he's the his, guy. Yeah. His scene. So at the end here, this was my favorite scene in the movie because of all the adversity, all the craziness he's gone through. Then it's finally like he gets his moment. And as an actor, the way he does, like a lot of people just be like, yes, I did it. You know, where he just like, you just see it right in his eyes. And he's just like, you see his, the tears kind of welling up a bit. And he's like, okay like keep it together mm-hmm. like and even like as an audience member keep it together because it's like oh, yeah. yeah you're finally he's getting what he's been working at and usually you know they're so often more often than not you work really hard to get a goal and you don't quite get it and he did and it's just like i don't know his 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 reaction of getting the job was was amazing well i think will smith as an actor does scenes like that so Mm-hmm. Where it's just mm-hmm. that, like, I'm holding it in, but you can clearly see how much emotion there is without being overdone, without being all of that. Like, really? Me? I <laughs> yeah. did it? Like, That's how I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> having that, like, it makes it hit so much harder. And I just, it's, it's like, again, it's like that final just, I can breathe. It's the mm-hmm. first moment that he can stop sprinting. It's the first moment that he can stop running and actually sit down and be like, I can catch because I'm going to have stability now. And mm-hmm. that's, 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 he does it so well. I completely agree with you. Like he just, it's one of my favorite scenes. He does it so well. Mm-hmm. He is, I mean, cause he, did he do any other, he did King James and which was incredible. Did Will Smith do any other um, where he played a real person movies? Ali, Ali, oh, the, the big one too. Is he the best? Like, I'm. What's the word for it? I, I run a movie podcast. I don't even know the word. Like when you play a movie about someone, an autobiography, like a biopic, a, yeah, a biopic. Is he like the best biopic guy? Because that's three like awesome. Well, Chadwick was definitely like, as far as biopics guys, just. Oh. Yeah, yeah, because he was like Jackie Robinson. He oh was, my gosh, yeah, yeah, I think true. Him and Thurgood Will Marshall. Smith, yeah, I think him and Will Smith for me. Yeah, like those are guys. two of just the best as far as biopics go because they just they it's just such a good job and the range that they both well one had, but yeah. the range that they have as actors is. I mean, Brad Pitt as Achilles though, and Troy just. <laughs> very accurate <laughs> my three favorite biopics are thor, thor. <laughs> thor <Dark> World. <laughs> no, uh, um, but uh yeah so overall i guess if we go into final thoughts uh, nick you always get the last one because you're the guest uh just a great movie i think it aged very beautifully i think from an acting perspective it knocks it out of the park i think it also kind of reminds us that like because we as was alluded to earlier nicky by you that Sometimes failure is just a part of the process. And sometimes it, it, it's a good, if you're going through tough times, I think it's a good movie to probably go back and visit. And one, it tells you that, hey, they're probably not as tough as they could be. Two, you can still make something great out of these d- bad times as well. And um, just a, a really, really cool movie to go back and watch again, even though it didn't quite have the explosions in it that I would have 
<laughs> like from a movie. Where was but... The Rock? If The Rock got hit yeah. by the bus, the yeah, bus I wanted to see. I wanted to see The Rock come in <laughs> and start uh, dropping one-liners and beating people up. But uh, <laughs> the guy's like, "Oh, sorry, I don't want one of those bone density scanners." <laughs> Crunch! You want one now? <laughs> Smashes his head against it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and. Andy, what were your final thoughts on this one? By the way, Bone Scanner, not a bad WWE name. The Bone <laughs> Scanner. <laughs> You're going to do one-on-one with the Bone Scanner. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this great performance by Will Smith, uh, as I, we all, all kind of said. Um, and yeah, this I think for me, the lesson is like he went all in on the Bone Scanner and didn't work out well for him at all. But then he tried it again. He went all in on something else and it worked out for him. So I guess the lesson is go all in and maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. <laughs> Life's a gamble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but go for it. Maybe. Uh, but Nikki, any any final thoughts on this one? Um, yeah. I mean, it's. I really do think it's an amazing movie. I don't think it's going to be my go-to every Saturday night movie. <laughs> no. um, a bit heavy yeah but everything you're saying like it's great as a reminder no matter how hard things are and no matter what age you are right because a lot of times we see these movies where people are coming up in their 20s or Mm -hmm. i'm like barely 30 and now i have a life but Mm -hmm. it's it's seeing someone do something incredible because he didn't just find stability he didn't just get a job he created this like was it multi-million or billion a million yeah, he created this multi-million dollar company in the 80s from nothing. And so it's it takes away so many limitations, which I love. I also think it's a great lesson to diversify your portfolio because <laughs> as much as we're talking about going all in, I think it would have been probably a great idea if he had maybe had a side hustle along with selling his bone scanners. Right? right. I kind of think of that. I'm like... Get a job at Burger King or something. <laughs> How did he end over? up being a good uh, uh, stockbroker if he if he thought the bone scanners were a good investment? How is he a good? How I mean, he may have made a lot of money, but how did his clients do? So who sold him on this idea? Hire that guy. <laughs> yeah, that person was a genius. Yeah. <laughs> the original, like multi-level marketing scheme. Yes, <laughs> I want to see the prequel of this. <laughs> Oh, the guy that came up with the bone scanners. Bone scanner. Oh <laughs> uh, well, that that does it for uh, for the the movie review part. There's one last thing we do before we wrap up, Nikki, and it's just really watching Andy do his work, and that is we play the six degrees of, Sep- of Kevin Bacon. Andy, can you connect someone to this movie in to Kevin Bacon in six moves? Of course. Um, so Will Smith was in this movie. Uh, he's in Legend of Bagger Vance with Matt Damon. Matt Damon is in Ocean's Eleven with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's in Sleepers with Kevin Bacon. Every movie, Nikki, every person somehow actually doesn't go back to Kevin Bacon. It goes back to Sleepers every time. <laughs> I don't know how. Andy just loves or Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just goes back to Brad Pitt. We should just do this with Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt or Robert De Niro. Yeah, that's Because uh, they're both in there. Uh, <laughs> But that does it for this episode. Uh, Make sure to tune in for our next episode. We go to 2007 for a hot rod. Then we're going to 2008 for Bronson. And then 2009, he's just not that into you. So a wide range in the coming episodes. But um, we are going to uh, make sure to uh, 
keep those coming. But before we go, uh, Nikki, thank you so much for being on. Where can the world find you and all the things you're working on? Uh, well, my Instagram is probably a great place. It's literally just my name because I'm the only Nikki Rue in the U.S. So. <laughs> but how do you spell Nikki Rue for our uh, our audio listeners? Oh, brilliant. Uh, N-I-K-K-I-H-R-U. The last part is like Henry Roger Umbrella. Henry Roger Umbrella. Um, that's, yeah. that's your secret Another good name. WWE name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Andy Rossi, where can the world find you and all your projects? Well, you can find me at just Andy Rossi. And you can find me at Real Jack Farmer across all social media. That does it for the evolution of movies. We will see you guys next week.